Welcome to the Canon Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Tim Emmett, the lead pastor at Canon, and I hope that this message will help you take your next step with Jesus as he leads us from death to life, from sorrow to joy, from the world as it is to the world as it will be. Thanks for joining us. Welcome for the last time to the goodness of God, not that the goodness of God will depart, but this morning we are concluding our series on the goodness of God. We've been spending a couple months together in the words we just heard, which Frank read for us from Exodus chapter 34, uh, especially the key words in verses 6 through 7, where God proclaims his own name, reveals his goodness, all of his goodness passes before Moses, and as he proclaims the name the Lord, we hear, as Moses heard, that, that God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, but not clearing the guilty. We have been spending time with this passage really because we want to know God, not just to know about God, but to know God, to grow closer to God. That's one of the reasons we are here as a church. We are here to grow closer to God, grow deeper in love, and reach wider with the gospel. We want to grow closer to God. And so this revelation of God, this manifestation of God to Moses on Mount Sinai is for us and for all. And this morning, we're going to finish this journey actually in the gospel according to John in the New Testament, because it toward the end of the first chapter of John, the author echoes these words from Exodus. He really echoes this revelation of God to Moses and makes clear that in Jesus, we see what Moses heard. In Jesus, we see what Moses heard, and even more, we see the glory that Moses could not. Hear these words from the Gospel according to John, verses 14 through 18. And the Word became flesh and dwelled or pitched his tent among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The Russian novelist Leo Tolstoy has written about an early uh, childhood memory laying on the floor while his mother worked on a needlepoint. From where he was laying, gazing up at the backside of the needlepoint, all he could see were knots and threads and frayed ends. He was astonished when she finished what she was doing and showed him the other side. He couldn't believe the intricate pattern of flowers and birds. It was beautiful. On one side, to his eyes, was chaos. On the other side, beauty. Tolstoy likens this to the revelation we shall experience in glory with God, in heaven with God, and we will see what it is that God has been doing. I want to suggest to you this morning that we get a glimpse here and now of the glory to come. We get a glimpse here and now of the beauty that will be revealed to us then. But first, let's admit that very often when we look at the world around us and sometimes even our own lives or the lives of our friends, what we see looks like chaos. The war in Israel, the war in Ukraine, 
the dysfunction of our government. The bitterness, the anger, the rage, and the routine threats of violence that are filling our own country. It's chaotic, and it's frightening, and it's unnerving. And some of you are aware of the terrible story in our own community, a 25-year-old graduate of Brookwood High School who was hit and killed this week by a driver fleeing from the police. She was just going about her day. Very often when we look at the world around us, sometimes our, even our own lives, what we see just looks like chaos. And we wonder where is God in the midst of all of this? And is it God, is God at work in the world or not? Some of you have heard me say before that the world in which many of us grew up in was described as a bipolar world. It was a world largely organized around the competition between the United States and the Soviet Union. And I can remember the anxiety that came with that, but it was not too hard to understand that world. And we live, as Thomas Friedman has written, in a multipolar world. There are no, there aren't two poles of power. There are multiple poles of power, and it's chaotic, and it's unnerving, and it's frightening, and it's dangerous. But it's not just the big world out there. It is also our own lives and the lives of our, our family members and our friends sometimes that just look and feel chaotic, and we wonder where God is in the midst of it all. And like Moses, we want to see God. I mean, we didn't read that part of the passage this morning, but before God appears to Moses and proclaims the name and declares that he is and shall be a God of compassion and grace and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, Moses has asked to see God's glory. They are in the wilderness. They have left Egypt. They've got to cross through a wilderness they do not know and enter into a land they've never seen. And Moses wants to know for sure that God himself will go with them. And he wants to know the God who has said he will go. Show me your glory. And God tells Moses, well, you can't see my glory. No one can see me and live, but I'll, I'll, I will reveal my goodness. I'll cause all of my goodness to pass before you. I will tell you, I'll reveal to you how I will be with you and for you. And so that's what we hear in, the, in those words that, that God spoke to Moses and through Moses to us. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That is who God is. That is what God is like. That is how God will conduct himself. Through the chaos that Moses and his people would face, the uncertainty and the danger, that God would go with them. And in Jesus, we see what Moses heard. From his fullness, writes John, we have all received grace upon grace. Bells should be going off in our heads. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth, two of those big words from Exodus 34, right, came through Jesus Christ. God's grace is revealed and unleashed in the world through Jesus. But the most astonishing line in this passage, the one that for me just, again, sets bells ringing is, we have seen his glory. Moses said to God, show me your glory. God said, I can't. 
No one can see me and live. But in, in John chapter 1, verse 14, we read, we hear the good news. We've seen his glory. Glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. In Jesus, we see what Moses heard. And in Jesus, we see what Moses did not get to see. In Jesus, we see who God is and what God is like and also what God is up to in the world, what God is up to in our lives. We get a glimpse of the beauty on the other side. We wonder as we go through our days, where is God in the midst of this? And we're tempted to interpret just the events in our lives, the, the things that we go through as God's will for us. But we're challenged and invited to believe and to trust that Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is God's Word made flesh. Jesus is the revelation of God. Jesus is the glimpse of God's glory, which we're given right now as well as then. It's in Jesus that we see the glory of God, the grace of God, the truth about God. In other words, God is like Jesus, exactly like Jesus. And if we want to know what God is up to in our world and in our lives, we look at Jesus. He is the glimpse. He is the vision on the other side. We sometimes speak of the Bible as the Word of God, but the Bible itself speaks of Jesus as the Word. And we want to make sure we have a relationship with Jesus through the Bible, not with the Bible instead of with Jesus, because Jesus is the revelation of God. Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is the beauty that has come and is coming. He is an image of not just the true God, but of our true humanity, who we will be, what we will look like when God has finished the work he's begun. There's a, a book by a theologian named John, Brad Jersek called A More Christ-Like God. And I really borrowed that phrase Jesus, from him that, that God is like Jesus, exactly like Jesus, because that's the basic point of the book, that we need to make sure we get our theology, our understanding of God from Jesus. He was speaking at a private Christian high school a few years ago, and uh, following his presentation, a, a girl came up to him and said she had a few questions. She was really struck by what he had said. And so, uh, and so they, he said, absolutely, I'd love to hear your questions. And she said, well... I've got a lot of them. And he said, that's okay. She said, I'm, I'm 15. I, be, I, I stopped believing in God when I was 12. Um, and then she peppered him with questions. Why does Jesus seem so loving and God seem so mean? Why does God send people to hell to burn them forever? And then more personally, is my grandmother being tortured by God because she died and she wasn't a Christian. And then again, personally, people say that God is in control. I have three relatives who were molested. Was that God's will? Those are heavy questions. 
And because they were in a public venue and he didn't have a lot of time, he really just kept coming back to the one point that God is like Jesus, exactly like Jesus. He is God's word made flesh. He is God's love made plain. So every question we have about God, we take to Jesus. What God is doing in our lives, what God is doing in the world, we see in Jesus. And what do we see in Jesus? Heaven and earth come together as one. Humanity and divinity together as one. God's passion is communion. God's passion is reconciliation. God's passion is healing. God's passion is hope. God's gift to us through Jesus is the gift of life. It's always dangerous to try and read God's will for us sort of off the surface of our lives. Whatever happens to me must be what God wants for me. It's so much safer for us to look at Jesus and say, that is what God wants for me. God wants to bring me into communion with him. I mean, Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And he didn't mean that they may know all the right facts about you. That kind of knowledge about is important. But when he said no, he meant no deeply and personally, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The whole purpose of God's work in the world, the whole purpose of redemption is to bring heaven and earth back together again, bring us back together with God and each other in a communion of love. That's what God is doing. And yes, God has wrath because he has love. I mean, we do see in Jesus what we heard in Moses. There does seem to be a tension between the forgiveness of God and the, and the judgment of God. But God's judgment is always redemptive. It serves a redemptive purpose. It is to separate us from our sin, not to separate us from God. It's to bring healing and reconciliation into our hearts and our lives and our world. Jesus is the other side of the needlepoint in our lives and our world. If we want to know what God is up to, we look at Jesus. Because God is like Jesus, exactly like Jesus. In Jesus, we see what Moses heard. In Jesus, we see the glory that Moses did not get to see. And we see that the glory of God is love. That's what we see. In Jesus, we see that the glory of God is love. To be loved and to love is the life for which we were made and for which we've been saved. In, uh, in London, in Trafalgar Square, there is a famous column, Nelson's Column. It's 169 feet tall. Um, it was constructed to honor uh, the Admiral uh, Nelson, who was a key naval figure. He won one of the most important naval battles in the Napoleonic Wars. And so in the 1800s, in celebration of that victory, in, in, in honor of Admiral Nelson, they put this column up with a statue of, of, of uh, Admiral Nelson at the very top of the column. Uh, and if you've ever seen it, it's quite impressive. But the only problem is, this column is so tall, 169 feet, that if you're standing on the ground, you can't really make out the details of the statue. 
you know, he's up there. It looks impressive and it feels impressive, but you really can't see what he looks like. And so a couple decades ago, they created an exact replica of the statue on top of the column and then put that one at eye level so people could see Lord Nelson with their own eyes. We worship an exalted and magnificent and holy God, the Most High God who created all things, who came down, who came near, not just in Jesus, but as Jesus, so we could see God with our own eyes. We've seen the glory. We see chaos all around us, and sometimes in our own lives. But in Jesus, we see the other side of the chaos. We see the beauty that God is creating. We see the glory that is and will come. The glory of love. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. We hope that this message will help you have a great week by helping you walk in faith, hope, and love. Looking for more information about Canon? Check us out on the web at canonchurch.org or follow us on Facebook at Canon UMC and Instagram at Canon Church 2424.